So you're a fan of Atlanta United. And you heard ATL on Fire has crazy insights to your favorite team. Or maybe you're just here for the crazy. Amar said it? You've got to be kidding me. Nah, I'm here to produce, keep the sanity, and of course, drink wine. Or maybe to hit the buttons. And crank up the crazy. Whatever you're here for, we're going to talk about it all. I'm Dave Cass. I'm Mikey Dobbs. And I'm Carmen Butler. And this is the ATL on Fire Podcast Show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of ATL on Fire, the podcast where we talk all things Atlanta United Football Club and all things soccer. And I'm joined by Dave Katz this evening. How are you doing, Dave? Not as good as usual because we're missing Carmen, the producer. But she's doing better than both of us, right? She's somewhere, <laughs> yeah. tro- she's somewhere she's tropical. Fine, people. Yeah, she's, she's sitting on a beach somewhere. Yeah, she's doing great. Don't worry about her. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know if we're streaming live. Maybe she's listening to us on the beach somewhere. I got I hope not. But, um, yeah, so. If you're listening, Carmen, send us a message. Yes, please do. <laughs> Um, what are we drinking? We are drinking the Dobbs House Wine, the McManus Cabernet Sauvignon 2021. Nice. Nothing nice. fancy. but We uh, didn't go with fancy in honor of our internal pain, you know, because Carmen's not here. <laughs> now, speaking of wine, our, our good sponsors at Wild Heaven Brewery, yeah. um, they are uh, sourcing some wine out of... Uh, some different Georgia regions. So they're going to connect with some, you know, Dahlonega vineyards, but I also talked to Hayden that runs or manages the, uh, the location here in Avondale States. And they're thinking yep. about doing some grapes on site there, maybe do some, some vines. And you know what uh, grape he was talking about? No. What are we talking Take about? Take a wild guess. Could it be Norton? Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah I, I think I impressed him with my trivia that this yes. was the original native wine. Uh, yeah, grape native grape in America. North America. But yeah, Hayden evidently has grown wine his whole life as well. Oh, wow. Uh, or, you know, made it, made it as well. So I told him you guys need to connect. So we did our fourth annual harvest on Sunday. Oh, nice. So we're making vintage number four. Nice. And once again, uh, the production is up. So we'll be making double we have about uh, 48 bottles this year. And so we need to get on the calendar to do another uh, live show at Wild Heaven here when it cools down a little bit, yes. maybe, and get on the back patio and enjoy some... What do they say? We don't always drink beer, but when we do, we drink Wild Heaven. We do it well, too. <laughs> I love that beer. Uh, all right. So, Dave, we have some sad soccer news to jump into, uh, and that is U.S. soccer updates. What do you have for us coming... You know, off the off a pretty disappointing World Cup for the women. Yeah, I mean, uh, in uh, apologies to Carmen, and we won't talk too much about it because when Carmen gets back, she'll want to talk lots about it. But we do feel like we d- we need to mention the Women's World Cup, which culminated fantastic tournament. I mean, overall, you know, the quality of the soccer was good. People were watching, although not as much in the U.S. Um, I went back, actually, in ep- and listened to episodes 82 and 83, Mikey Dobbs, about our predictions. How do you think we did? Uh, you know, I think you guys are probably pretty spot on. I think I was being a little opt- more optimistic in terms of maybe <laughs> making it at least to the quarterfinals or semifinals. Uh, but you guys thought the furthest we would get would be the, the quarters. So we had England and Spain as the favorites. Check. Yep. We had the U.S. getting out of the group. Check. But perhaps maybe only being second. Hmm. Also correct. Okay. Check. 
and losing to the first good team they came up against. Round of 16, Sweden, check. <laughs> Not too shabby. The only one who looks bad is you, Mikey Dubs, who, despite really agreeing with us, to be fair, you then turn around and bet on the U.S. to win it all. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm a patriot, Dave. Come on. Uh, that doesn't look so good. No, but, yeah, they really did not look like they had any sort of edge the entire what how many total goals did they score the entire tournament like three wasn't against, many three it against was vietnam three against vietnam then we came back and scored one one against um against holland and then it was zero zero yeah, right so they only scored four goals the entire tournament. yeah it's not a great tournament mm. um so yeah it wasn't it really wasn't good and, and we were on vlaco as being Really shambolic as a coach, and he was really shambolic as a coach. He got sacked, too, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Well, he's, well who not, knows not exactly how, but he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely gone. Um, I will say we'd be remiss if we didn't also mention this horrible thing that happened with the Spanish woman. Did you hear about this? Right, no, I didn't. right Literally, as she's receiving the trophy, the head of the Spanish FA basically kisses her flat out on the lips, right? And, Crabs her and kisses her, and he's now being rightfully suspended and yeah. all these things. You're like, dude. And this is the same guy who supported the coach after the coach was doing all these horrible things that caused, I don't know, thirteen or fifteen of their top players to yeah. refuse to even play in the World Cup. Right. Wow. So, so this guy is, yeah, he's yeah. not good. Oh, baby. Um, all right. So, let's go on to something brighter. Uh, let's go on to something brighter, which is uh, <laughs> Messi mania. Why don't we talk a little bit about how the League's Cup ended, Dave? Wait, Messi played in the League's Cup? Are you sure? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's messy, 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 messy moments. Not only that, he's made his way to the Lamar Hunt final against... Yes. Uh, well, you're the, getting ahead of us. Let's I know. I am. We'll Cup. There, but this is all messy. Uh, <laughs> League's Cup. Uh, he's already come in, Dave. He's already... Uh, delivered on what the expectation of what the goat does. It's one thing to have the expectation, right? It's another thing to do it and then do it and still have people drop, drop their jaw and have a conspiracies that the MLS has set this up. It's like, no, this guy's been doing this forever, making people and teams look silly. And so why should you be surprised that Messi makes MLS players look silly? You know I mean? So there are 34 games in an MLS season. And I'm not actually sure about Miami. I think we had 10 games remaining coming out of League's Cup. I think they might have had 11 or even 12. But it basically, you know, they had they had 22 games, something like that, 23 games coming into it. How many goals do you think that Miami scored in the league prior to League's Cup? I think I know the answer to this. It's 22. It's 22. <laughs> and how many goals, Mikey Dobbs, did Miami score in the League's Cup? I believe it's 22 or more. It's 22. <laughs> they scored the same yeah. number of goals in seven games as they did in 23. Right. With my, with, that's plus or minus Messi. And well, so. I, I mean, how many goals did Messi have? Like 12 or 13 in the League's Cup? No, it wasn't that if, much. If, if you counted like, penalty kicks, I think it was. Oh, yeah. Well, you can't, in the penalty kick shootouts. Do, they, do those go on your tally? No, no. They no, don't? No, okay. No. All right. No. But yeah, but it was still. I mean, he's scoring over a goal a game, yeah. and he's and the goals that he's not scoring, he's assisting on. So, um, good gracious! So they, they're last place, right, going into the league's cup, absolutely dead last in the whole MLS, 
right? And they run right through. They beat all the Mexican teams. They beat Nashville in the final. I mean, they were a little bit fortunate. You know, they got up one nothing mm-hmm. in the final. Then uh, uh, Miami did. Uh, Nashville came back and equalized. And then they went, They, you know, Nashville had all the pressure. Um, but, uh, you know, Messi scored their one goal. And then Nashville was all the pressure. Uh, Miami held on for dear life, went to penalty kicks. And one penalty kicks in the 11th round. The Nashville goalkeeper saved Costa. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but um, uh, two seasons ago, uh, Manchester United lost in the Europa final. Okay. And it was also the same. De Gea as the 11th penalty kick shooter. Their goalkeeper made it, and De Gea got saved. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough way to go down. But it's pretty incredible. Um, just some of the some of the goals he's already had some of the assists some of the the way he's elevated a team that was clearly the worst in MLS and yeah. how is it that three players can do that yeah and i mean for the most part right it's three players that came in changed the i mean yeah and Jordi Alba you know you would say look the thing that changed you know their defense was um actually to be honest with you <laughs> their defense seems like it was really really bad in terms of the personnel mm-hmm. But their defense in MLS wasn't horrible, right? They were actually an okay. They just couldn't score. Yeah. Right? And now, they can, as you saw, they scored 22 goals leading into yeah. the League's Cup and 22 goals in the League's Cup. You think Joseph Martinez is happy right now? Oh, my God. I mean, he went there. I mean, you wonder what they said to him, you know, when he went there because people were like, how do you go to Miami to play for Philip Neville in a team that's clearly going nowhere? Right. Right. And he went there and, you know, like, okay, maybe he just took the cash, right? (laughs) Maybe he didn't have other options, right? Who knows? Or maybe they actually said to him that, look, we're trying to bring in Messi. Now, he couldn't have. I don't think he could possibly have known that they were also going to bring in Tata. But, I mean, man, what you know, he goes there. They have a horrible first half season. He's miserable. Not only are they in last place, but he's hardly scoring. He's hardly doing anything, right? And then all of a sudden, right, uh, Messi comes in. Tata comes in and he's playing with the best team in the MLS now. I mean, like, uh, joy, right? You know, we, we, if those of you looking should look for us on Instagram because we have a funny meme going with, uh, with our logo on the t shirt. But talk about a turnaround. Oh my goodness, Mikey Dobbs. How, how did he know? Yeah. And I mean, I watched the Red Bulls game because Messi's much watched TV now. And this was after. We got home from the Atlanta game because they played at the same time right. as us the other night. But against the Red Bulls, you know, I mean, he comes in and just does phantom things. And you see this 18-year-old kid that, you know, Messi's jumping into his arms. I mean, what would that be like? All of a sudden, you're like... On <laughs> you the, know what that's like, Mikey Dobbs? You're on the last place team. Here's what it's like. Oh. Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas. Rojas. Danny Rojas. That's exactly what that kid's thinking. And Joseph Martinez. Pure joy. The, fo- the joy is back in football in Miami of all yeah. places. Good segue. Is the joy coming back to Atlanta United, Dave? Sure. Seems like it. <laughs> but, you know, I think we got to talk about it, right? But, um, you know, 
I mean, I think I'd like to hear your take first, right? So, so just for those of you who've been under a rock, um, we go to Seattle, we win two nothing, and then we come home. Uh, Seattle, a third place Seattle team, although the West is a lot weaker, but anyway, still a third place Seattle team at the time. And then we come home against the hottest team in the league, Nashville, that made it all the way to the League's Cup final, and we win four nil. So, what do you think? What are you thinking? Well, you know, the first thing that is weird about the signings. I think three of the signings are excellent players from the two games I've been able to watch them. So yep. we've got Silva, who's a left forward, uh, Saba, who's a right forward, but also can play the left. Um, he's he's actually a left footer uh, preference player, but I think we're going to see him out on the right forward. And Muyamba as an attacking center midfielder. Is Saba left-footed, do we think? He's left-footed. Okay. It says it on the All profile, right. and that's his preferred okay. foot. Um, right. But as far as I'm concerned, it's his back heel that's his preferred foot. I don't <laughs> know. Ha-ha. Yeah, he scores the fourth <laughs> goal on a back heel. So he's only played 30 minutes for the club, yeah. right, in yeah. the last game against Nashville. But he scored in the first 30 minutes. So the, those are three signings. And then we have another backup striker, Thierry or something like that. I don't know what his name is. Someone, someone correct me on the chat. Uh, but uh, at least we have someone to fill in uh, other than Miguel Barry. Once I think he gets his visa, he'll be, he'll be ready to go. Uh, <laughs> who else am I missing? Um, we, no, you got the, the, the three big starters. Muyamba, Silva, Zande, and Zande Silva, yeah. and, um, and Sawa. So, I like the I like the players so far. So I can't knock them as being maybe talented players. What strikes me though about the signings is we we're going to play four three three. Even though we we've made well, just to remind you, going into when we had these signings, you know, right right before this, right, uh, Pineda made the switch to five in the back, yeah. right, and so. You know, there was a lot of thought going into it. We, we made a switch to five in the back. Um, and then getting rid of uh, Gutman, you know, means that Wiley was going to be clearly the left mm -hmm. back. And, you know, he's more suited yep. to a five. So were you surprised that he didn't stick with five? Well, yeah, because this is what I'm getting to. And I, I know I mentioned this in the last, last thing. Clearly, they're going to four in the back. Like, they, they were planning to go four in the back. Doug Roberts would say, I'm, I'm here at practice. And I'm like, I don't doubt you. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying I don't know that we should given the the profile because here's the thing, Dave. While up, while, these are our forwards right now. We've got Mascara, Etienne, Chol, and Wolf, and then we have the two new starters, Silva and Saba. Mm -hmm. That's a hell of a lot of forwards. And then we've got and Almada and Gigi. <laughs> no, but then and so now let me get to the my worry yep. is. In the back line, we look pretty good right now. We got Abram, who seems to at least be coming into the player we thought he he might be, mm -hmm. uh, or you know at least maybe the start yeah, over, 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 over Parata. So mm -hmm. we have a backup in Parata who we know is at least secure enough to to do the job. Miles Robinson's back and healthy, so we got two center backs that are health, yep. healthy and good, uh, and a, and a backup there. And then we got Lennon and Wiley, who are very attack and attack minded. Uh, but I think you and I agreed that, again, at least for the time being, we're seeing Pineda keep one of them back and not having them airplane at the same time, mm -hmm. which if we do that, I think we are agreeing in the last game we could be in good shape. Uh, and then the only other um, 
backline subs that we have, I believe, are Noah Cobb and Ronald Hernandez, right? right. So if if Wiley or Lennon gets hurt or, you know, uh, Abram, Miles, whatever, like our back line, two injuries in this season, this last little run that we're on could be over, no matter how much attacking prowess we seem to have. So that's a problem. And then clearly it didn't seem to, to jump out on us uh, in the Nashville game uh, the other night. But you're asking a lot of Mascara and Huzetu in, in what seems to be Pineda's preferred defensive center midfielders. Naming Moyamba. Moya, I'm sorry, sorry. Moyamba yep. and uh, Huzetu yep. as kind of the double pivot defensive right. Pa- pairing, right? Uh, we're not seeing Sosa in there yet. Uh, you know, we've I've been surprised in the Seattle game and in the Nashville game that we, we didn't give up soft goals. Mm. Uh, so... We've been kind of wrong on that in the, at least the last the last two games. Yeah. So what what do you think with all that with all this going four three three with having like a very attacking uh, minded set of talented players now, especially with Saba in and Mascara off, who I think is the, one of the worst players in the whole forward group. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's fine to come in in like the 80th minute or something like that. Yeah. Um, but our starting squad looks pretty strong, right? Other than maybe Josetu. Um, yeah, so to me, I think you got to start with the new player, Muyamba. Um, and the question, you know, we obviously didn't know what we were getting when he came in, but it, uh, on the little bit <coughs> that we talked about in the highlights, right, we sort of said that he looked like an all-action kind of guy and not really a defensive midfielder, and he clearly is an all-action kind of guy, yeah. right? He is he is terrific energy, right? He has good, you know, skills, good with both really feet. He can skills. find the right guy, right? But and, and he is all over the field, right? And to be honest, you know, we maybe needed that, you know, in this system as a guy just, you know, charging around. Now, you know, to be honest, you know, that reminds you a little bit of Abara. Abara was more mm-hmm. disciplined than that. But um, you know, the thing about it is when you have a guy like that, right, the problem is, you know, Pineda's calling that a double pivot. That is not a double pivot. He is not a tactical anything, right, because he is so all over the field. Like, you know, for example, I noted in the first two minutes, right, of the Seattle game, right, it's our first MLS game, you know, with Muyumba, right, and he is running into the box at the far post, Right, which is great. You know, look, yeah. you'd love to have a guy making a run of the far post. But if you have, you know, that guy has a defensive responsibility, right? You know, that's a, a double pivot is basically one guy forward, one guy back, right? And so you might say, look, he's the guy forward, the other guy back. But that's really far forward. Yeah. When you're talking about a double pivot, you're not typically talking about a guy ending up at the far post in the six-yard box. Because when you make that run in the six-yard box in the far post, there's a good chance that the ball gets cut out before it ever gets to you right and that means that i mean you're in no man's land you can't help that entire next attack against you is counter and you're right. never going to be in that play so um you know that strikes me as dangerous right so if you're going to do that you've got to have the other double pivot or really another guy who's really tactically sitting at home 
Because otherwise it becomes chaos, right? Who's, who's even marking who, right? And so to me, what's interesting is, you know, it's been Hosetu. And I said this right along. I said my worry about Pineda was that if he plays Muyumba, he should play him with Soso or a Barra or a defensive kind of guy. And instead, he's going to see it as that's, you know, whatever. And he's going to play him with either yeah. Sadik or Hosetu. And to me, the problem I have with that is, you know, against a good midfield, particularly a good midfielder or a team that's playing three in the midfield, like, we're going to get overrun. I would, to be honest, a little surprised that Seattle didn't overrun us because I think yeah, they have a good midfield. Two good teams now with, with yeah. Mozetu and Moyama in the center, right? And so Nashville's one of the best defensive teams in the, the league, right? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, Mukhtar's you know, got shut down by Huzetu the other night. But, you know, one of the things I, you know, you saw, like, so in the 49th minute in, you know, in the Seattle game, right, we're up, right, in the 49th minute, I can't remember which Seattle player it was, but he got the ball out of the back, and he literally, there was a Seattle player who literally dribbled, it was 40, 45 yards straight up the middle, and nobody made a challenge, okay. right? And, you know, it didn't happen very much, and we didn't get overrun in the midfield. But when you see something like that, I mean, when's the last time yeah. you saw a really good midfield? I don't know who you think is a good mid defensive midfield team, but have a guy run 45 yards up the middle without anybody even coming to make a challenge. Yeah. And you figure that, uh, you know, maybe we've caught some people flat-footed, you know, not expecting what we're doing. Maybe we've been on the front foot. Um, I would argue that one of the things about this system, so my problem with it is, so if you do that, right, if you have an amazing back four, I mean an amazing back four. I mean, there are times, for example, that Man City has had that many players forward, but they have really strong backs, right? I think our back four is really good, but defensively, I would not call it an amazing back four. And typically it's a back three because one of them are forward. I like the fact, we've talked about it already in this podcast, I love the fact that it's not both of them airplaning up. Yeah. So we typically have three in the back. But even when we have three in the back, you know, we've noticed there are a couple of times that Lennon was forward and uh, Robinson's responsible for getting out there. And he wasn't all the way out there, so they're getting that easy ball out there. There was one time in the game against Seattle where where um, Wiley was forward and it was Hosette who had to go and cover him behind him. So there have been some, some warning signs that, that that spot is open. And if you had that spot is open and you have a guy who has time in the midfield to find it, right? I mean, you noticed it, it happened against when we played Miami in the League's Cup. Messi dropped a little bit deep into our midfield, right? And we were like, the back line didn't know where to go with him, whether or not. Parata was like, and this is why Parata got benched. Parata didn't know where to go. And then finally he was, because he didn't want to go with Messi and get burned. But then he was like hanging back. And they finally decided to go and he went too late. Messi got the ball turned, sprayed it out wide, and just ran right by him, got it back and scored, right? Yeah. So um, that's the danger. Right, if you have that open guy running and they, they can spray it out wide because they're gonna have that guy out wide open, that still looks to me, you know, I feel like in, you know, I, I'm I'm really enthusiastic that we won these two games and you know I'm high on the new players and maybe that's enough to push us over the edge. We'll, we're going to talk a little bit more about the new players, but I feel like with what we're going on. We're one bad goal away from being out of the playoffs kind of thing. Now, I think maybe yeah. at least I'm thinking playoffs now. So, 
Yeah, and I, I will say I think my my tune has changed in terms of where we're going to end the season. I think I always said sixth or seventh was my original prediction. Then we did the 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 check in, and during the game, I think I told you I think we're going to be fourth or fifth yeah. at this point. Just given the chemistry of this team seeming to want to play with each other, um, we have a very tough run in our next games. We got. Cincinnati twice. We have Philadelphia. We have Columbus. Right. Yeah. These are the but best teams. The in last, all the last two games are tough, right? So yeah, they are good teams. So sure. uh, let's talk about the Seattle game. Yep. So we go on a you know on the road after you know a pretty disheartening fallout in the league's cup. Uh, we've got some fresh faces, and Moyamba kind of was. Uh, I think he played in the league's cup one, one or two games, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So he we played. He, he got a little comfortable, and then uh, you know we got to see Silva in that Seattle game as well, correct? And yep. This is the game I believe Yakamaki's had a brace. Yep. And Almada played fantastic yet again. Yeah. So what I was going to say, my cousin who's in the uh, Seattle supporter section, I was texting with him before the game, and you know it was a late game here, <laughs> so I had to stay up late. But anyway, the. Um, you know, I was saying to him that, look, you know, I thought that, that they were going to have the advantage because, um, you know, I said, look, we're really dangerous offensively. In particular, we tend to have um, Gigi and Almada, and that's our that's our thing. And that's how we scored the goals. It was Almada and Gigi, right? Um, but I said, look, you know, even after we got up in that game, I was texting him. He was in the stands, and I said, look, don't worry. We're going to give up some soft goals, right? And to be fair, Seattle had a couple of phenomenal chances that they yeah. should have finished, right? That game really, to be, to be completely frank, should have been 2-2, right? I don't, know. I don't know about that. I felt like Atlanta just played way better. They deserved the win in that game. They may, there may have been some chances for Seattle, but at the end of the day, when you look at that game, no. Atlanta looked pretty damn sharp. We were knocking. We looked sharp, particularly in the, in the first half. We were, sure. yeah, we were, yeah, definitely in the first half. I agree, and and we were just moving the ball around with speed and purpose. And you know, I was like, wow, we're not watching, you know, a typical MLS game where it's, you know, difficult to watch sometimes after you watch some EPL. <laughs> like I felt like we were playing at that level, right, where you expect a MLS team to be, you know, like a, you know, you know. Bournemouth or something like that. Even though, yep. even though MLS got ranked 29th in the world rankings of all leagues, but <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, I look, I was just happy to see crisp crisp soccer when yeah, I tuned sure. in to Seattle, especially late at 10:30 on was it Sunday night or whatever it was. Uh, yep, and I was happy, and that's what that's what I am hoping. We're going to the game on Wednesday again. Like I'm actually finally happy the last two games watching Atlanta United soccer again. That to me is the big takeaway. Uh, I felt like in the Seattle game we played well, but really the big chances came from sort of like set piece, you know, Amada to Gigi or whatever. I didn't feel like we were just flat out opening them up so much. In the Nashville game, on the other hand, I mean, we opened them up yeah. but routinely. It, it, time the Seattle time. game was always going to be hard, right? You got Pineda against his old protege. Well, and, and on the road. On the road and, you know. Again, you're traveling after a disheartening tournament. I mean, we're going to have to kill our formula, right? Because yeah. Pineda never wins on the road yeah. against a good team. So right? that destroys the formula. And yeah, in terms of formula, what like if we win against Cincinnati, right? Which also would destroy the formula too, because Cincinnati is 
Enough. Well, what we have said in the past is that home, even against good teams, is a tie, even under Pineda. Yeah. And it's just on the road against good teams is a loss. So you would have said the formula before all this happened would have said Cincinnati at home is a tie. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen? Well, I will wait. And we would have said Nashville is a tie, guess, too. Do you want to just jump to your Cincinnati prediction then? Well, I think we can talk a little bit more about the Nashville game. I mean, okay. the other thing about the Nashville game is, and and one of the things that we haven't had yet is we haven't really gotten punched in the face a little bit, and we could have, right? Muyamba made an absolutely horrible pass. He yeah. gave it to Hani Mukhtar, who got to walk in on our goal Right at the top of the box, in the middle of the box, in the 18. I mean... And he didn't even put it on frame. No, he missed the goal, right? Yeah. I mean, how many times are you going to not get scored on in that? That's called getting lucky right there. Yeah, I mean, it was funny because I was listening to our good friend Jason and and Conti a little bit on the radio after the game, and they were saying, you know, what's so surprising is not just that we've started scoring goals and things like that. We've been scoring a lot. We've been really good to look offensively, but suddenly they said all of the soft, you know, goals that we're giving up have disappeared. And I was thinking to myself, right. You know, we might've even won that game seven to one, but there is no way that you can't count that as a goal that we should have given up. That's soft, right. Yeah. We literally handed it to him to walk in yeah. on our goal. Right. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that game should have probably been eight to two. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But but the, the thing that, that bothers me is how much we dominated that game, and it still should have been two. I agree with you. It probably should have been seven or eight to two. Yeah. But I think a fair result would have been seven or eight to two, not seven or eight nothing. Yeah, right? I agree. We, we had, and the thing is, we're giving up so, we had so much of the ball. We had them in their half so much. It was awesome. But even when they get forward, they get really good. Good chances. Okay, but that's why I'm going to go to this Cincinnati game. Like, look, if we beat Cincinnati in a similar fashion at home on a Wednesday night, what does this mean to you? Well, that would be incredible. Let's just say I would they say do. it's for real. It's for real, right? Yeah, for it real. It has to be, right? Because Cincinnati's done nothing but prove that they're a tough team. They're at the top of the table. But Cincinnati, one of the things that they have done all year – so first of all, I would say Nashville was lacking Walker Zimmerman, which makes him a lot worse defensive side. And Nashville is outside of the League's Cup where they've maybe shown they got the new designated player, the English guy, and they've shown that they can maybe score more. But before that, they're not scoring a lot. Yeah. So you Nashville is the kind of team that could miss a couple and of they good were chances. Definitely fragile after that gut wrenching loss. To, yeah, they had to just Messi. come off the big loss in the league's cup. Their first chance to go for a trophy at home in penalty kicks. Yeah. So you know, but again, but to me, Cincinnati, the thing that that's made Cincinnati Cincinnati this year is they have not let people off the hook like that. So if we give up the chances we gave up to Nashville, to Cincinnati, they're going to score two goals. Yeah. I mean, that's what they've been doing all year. So, uh, you know, if you ask me, am I feeling confident that we're going to beat Cincinnati? No. Okay. And overall, Let's- I would say that, you know, I'm feeling a lot more confident that we're a playoff team. Right. Yeah. But do I feel really confident that my prediction, you know, I, I predicted beginning of the season that we would sort of just barely make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to solidly, solidly make the playoffs now. Do you think we get a good enough to be like a home game? I, I think so. <coughs> because of how bad some of the Keep other in mind, teams nine are. teams make the playoff, eight plays nine in a playoff game. And then there's an eight. I, I do. Sim- so you got to be top four to get home. I do simply by the energy and the attitude that I'm seeing from 
the Saba, the Silva type of player, and Moyamba. Those three signings, like these guys are good players. And Dave, if we got Miles healthy, and this all has to do with health, we have Miles mm-hmm. healthy, Gigi and Almada. The two, I mean, Gigi and Almada could be like fighting each other for the MVP of the league. Yeah, I mean they've been terrific. So you have, and to- it looks like the players around them. Silva looks to me really dangerous, two footed, quick, and he looks like he's got head on his shoulders, like he knows to find Almato when he needs right. to, right? I and what I would to, say is I those guys a, are making a dynamic. I want to give a correction there. They're the second behind Messi for the <laughs> yes, MVP sure. of the league. Sure. Uh, yeah, it was funny. We were coming out of the game and somebody was like, you know, Almada is the best player in the MLS. Um, and I said, yeah, except for Messi. And yeah. they were like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, poor Almada. But, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, take Messi out of the equation. I think he's the best player in the MLS, right? right? So, um Let's talk about those goals that we got to see at the Benz the other night, though. That was fun, right? Yeah, oh. I mean, not just the goals, but, like, the the movement, the fluidity. That's what I was saying. So what's been lacking in, in this team all season, even going back into last year, right, is that we've had occasional dynamic moments of certain players, but we've lacked a fluidity of players running off of players and having different options and making it kind of, you know, dangerous. You just feel the danger with lots of people getting forward. And what I would say is the guys who have changed that to me, Silva and Muyamba have made that happen, right? So, um, you know, Muyamba even is all action style just by doing this and that has opened it up for other people because he moves a lot, but he's for what's really impressive is he doesn't seem to get in the way of Almada. Right? Yeah. I, I saw it only like once or twice in the game the other night where Moyamba was kind of right on top of Almada. But what I really like about Moyamba is that, yeah, he's got that clear tactical European skill in terms of his, his first touch is really nice. He looks up and he makes really good passes uh, that are fast. I feel like he releases it really fast and finds, finds somebody without trying to overdo it. I feel like that's what I've been seeing from him. And that's a bit of a difference. He's not trying to overcook a pass. Um, and he, like you said, he's an all action player. He really is getting, you know, while he is a way up in the box and he's definitely on the more offensive foot, he's all, he's buzzing about in terms of where he is in the offensive side of the field, just covering all the stuff behind your Almada, behind your Silva and Saba. So he's kind of cleaning that, moving it quickly back to them where, you know, Sedic would get it and pass it backwards. One thing I think is interesting, right? So, you know, we talked about, so the whole point of the airplanes was, as Pineda said, to get overloaded, to get 2v1, right? And we said it never worked, right? Because all Lennon did was crowd Araujo, right? You know, and what's interesting is that, so Silva in the, even the two games that he's played, he tends to come inside, but he, he has the ability to play in tight spaces. He's two fitted, right? He can mm-hmm. play in tight spaces. So now Wiley overlapping on him is creating that 2v1 because he is naturally coming inside. The interesting thing is the, the one that shouldn't work, right? This is what we is, saw with uh, Lennon pinching in. Yeah, with, so with Lennon, Lennon was running into Araujo the whole time, and then Araujo had nowhere to go. Right. What's interesting is so first of all, Mascara is the first player to play not inverted. Yeah, but 
we never saw Pineda make that coaching move with Josetu or with Araujo, right? Where, yes. Where he pinched him in like that. I don't get it, but at least well, it was we something gotta different. we got to tell the, the audience what we're seeing. So what happened last last night, or no, was it last night? No, against <laughs> Nashville. Saturday. Evening. Saturday, sorry. Um, was Lennon when he went forward, was actually running to the middle of the field, right? He was running inside. He was underlapping, what yeah, they call that. Right and Mascara was basically hugging the touchline. Mm -hmm. So he was giving Mascara the whole you know, room to run. And Mascara's honestly a poor man's Araujo. He's super fast, and I think he's not nearly as skillful. Yeah. What's nuts to me is we've been saying the whole time that Araujo needs space, right? And the only way to do that is to stop Lennon from going forward or to have Lennon go inside. Right. And now he wants to do it for Mascara? Yeah. Where was that with Lennon? Yeah. And look, like, where was that with Araujo, I mean? And Mascara, like, and Mascara man. Thank you, Dave. But, it, it, you know, good signs from Pineda. At least it's something, right? <laughs> Yeah, I just couldn't believe it. Some, I was like, some corrections. I, I just kept like punching you in the seat. I was like, "What? Look at where Lennon is. Yeah. He's giving him the outside." And yeah. the interesting thing is that it's working. You get a two v one because Lennon's going inside, and Lennon does have good enough, you know, mm -hmm. skills in there. I think yeah. one of the things about it though is a little nuts. Is you totally lose Lennon, right? How many times in the last two games have you seen Lennon serve a ball? It's been like zero. But I, well. Don't want to see mascara serving well. So hopefully it's Saba and we'll, I haven't seen, we didn't really see any service from Saba yeah. in the last game. Like no. he, he didn't see any crosses. But here's the other interesting thing. If you say Saba is left footed, so he's going to go out on the right, which yeah. is what he did when he came in. He's naturally going to come inside. And I think he's perfect for that because he can, again, it looks yeah. like he can operate in tight spaces. Now Lennon better be going on the outside. If Lennon comes inside on him, I'm going to be freaking losing my yeah. mind. I think when Saba comes in, they're going to switch that. I think you're right. But why didn't he do that with Araujo? The only thing, because Araujo's left-footed, that's the yeah. whole thing that Pineda couldn't realize that Araujo was fast and could run by people, and he figured because he was left-footed? Is that it? Are you kidding me? <laughs> He's Somebody on fire. Straight jacket on this guy. See, Carmen, He's heating up. if you're listening from... That island where we are. <laughs> I've got control of the buttons, people, Dave which is not necessarily a good thing. He's lost it. He's, yeah, he's, so here's the thing, right? So what it says to me is that Araujo, Pineda thought Araujo was comfortable inverted, and because he was left-footed, Lennon was going on the outside. As soon as he put Mascara, who's not an inverted winger, in there, he said, Lennon, you're going to crowd his space, and you go inside. And he could never see that he was crowding his space the whole time. Yeah. Just because he's freaking left-footed? Is that yeah. it? I mean... So, but now what is he going to do when Saba starts? Well, so what I would say is Saba then cuts inside and Lennon goes back to the outside, he would imagine. But... What's changing then? Because other, he's saying now other, that's other, an inverted winger because he's left-footed again. So he should go right back to Lennon being on the outside, which I think would probably be the right thing. Yeah. Because Saba looks like you want him in that tight space is cutting in the middle because yeah. he can combine with other people. Araujo, when he came in the middle, he he just was had nowhere to go, and he loves to push the ball five yards and run, and he was just had nowhere to... He was, uh, We always talked about he was like a Ferrari in like a, yeah. a parking deck or something, yeah. right? You know, he couldn't go, yeah. right? So, yeah, I think, I think uh, yeah, seeing Lennon go out there where, the, where we saw Mascara the other night... 
And obviously, Mascara cannot deliver a ball. He may, you know, I, he really struggles with that final final decision. Yeah, uh, he puts teams. In he a really lot creates of a dynamic because yeah, with his pace. A, but yeah. I agree with you. His final ball tends to be really poor. Last night on against Nashville on Saturday. It was a little better. He was just passing the feet. Well, I think he finally learned because he had a couple wah, wah, wah moments, right? <laughs> yeah. Where he like kicked it in the stands, like <laughs> just had like a, an awful cross. Like, right. I, mean, I think he had at least the self-awareness where right. later on in that game, he slowed it down. And instead of trying anything fancy, he just kind of squared it. Like a little simple pass. Like yeah. in where like, hey, at least I'm going to get it to another foot of a player like Amada or Gigi or whomever who can just continue this thing on and not... Have the fans. And you know what happened with moan. with Silva, Zande Silva and Saba available? You know who didn't come on the field, who did come on in Seattle but didn't in Nashville? Uh do, 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 do. I don't know. Wolf came on the other night. The guy who came on in Seattle who didn't come on against Nashville, Miguel Berry. Oh, yeah. And that's what's nuts. To me, even in Seattle, when we didn't have Saba and we didn't have, uh, so he wasn't available, then he went right to Miguel Berry as the backup, right? Well, once we have this other striker, please. Hopefully, we won't see Barry again. Yeah, hopefully, you never see him yeah. again. I, I don't understand. I mean, Etienne is gone, right? Like, yeah. he's not playing anymore, right? Like, he's bad. He's not good. I agree. You know, well, I don't know if he's bad, he's mediocre. He's not Miguel Berry bad. He's, yeah, he's not, no. <laughs> like, that's yeah. bad. I just, I mean, Etienne got a lot of minutes though. Yeah, and, and he didn't really do anything. He didn't with do it. anything. I mean, he had a lot of opportunities to showcase something, and he's yet to do it. So, uh, you know, and as much as I don't like Mascara because he doesn't seem to have the the final moment of quality, he's he still puts teams under a lot of pressure. So putting him in as a late sub. I'm not going to cringe too much. But you know what's interesting? You know, so a lot of people I think are out there saying, oh, the, the whole difference is Muyumba and Silva, right? But, you know, the interesting thing, a huge difference, Mascara playing on the touchline, right, has really, really, really opened things up. I mean, how much have we been screaming for we don't always have to have an inverted winger and you can open things up, yeah. right? I mean, him standing on the touchline keeps that outside back a little bit honest, and it's making a lot more room in the middle for well, Almada to operate. Why can't we have Hernandez play right fullback and Lennon do that? Yeah, well, or even now Saba, and you can keep... Well, right, yeah. But, I mean, before we had Saba, we could have used Lennon in that capacity. Yes. and. Ronald Hernandez is clearly a. Uh, I mean, I watched him the other night. He's a shutdown defender, one of yeah. the better shutdown defenders that we have. I don't care what anybody says. I've seen enough now. I'm a Ronald Hernandez fan. Well, one thing about Hernandez is that he was prone to sort of, you know, he was really, really good at times and then prone to a gaffe. And, you know, you say either that's the player he is or you're like, he just needs consistent minutes. Yeah. And you kind of say that about um, Abram, too, right? When Abram came on, like, we, I, I was literally there the first game he started, which was the you U.S. Were, Open Cup. You were not Cup, impressed. And I was not impressed. But I said at the time, look, I'm not going to have judgment on him completely because he may just be super rusty. And the more he gets in minutes and whatever, the more he seems to settle down a little bit. Now, mm-hmm. do I think Abram is great? No. But is he serviceable? Yes. Is he better than Parada? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, don't, I haven't seen enough of him to really know. But Dave, what do we do for a goalkeeper next year? Well, it shouldn't be Guzan. I mean, even the saves he's making now, you can see it. He's just, he's old. We we have to get a 
star replacement, correct? Yes. You've got to be looking at a, a signing a first-team goalkeeper. Yeah. Do, do you think we go within the MLS to find that player or we go somewhere else? Or do you think it's going to be from the twos? I don't even know. I think you got to go in America because the bargains are much more in America and the goalkeeping reserves are quite deep, right? Yeah. America's had, I mean, the, I said this, you know, the New England uh, goalkeeper who 23 years old was, am- I said it is amazing. He just looked amazing to me, right? He just got signed by Chelsea. He, you know, it's funny because New England, one of the things that's been keeping them in second place is he just, Bailing them out when they make mistakes. If you think anybody who thinks New England is going to stay in second place now that they lost him is got another thing coming. He looks to me like, I mean, it's the same thing with Blake and Philadelphia. They play a super aggressive defense because they know the occasional time they get beat, they give up a breakaway. He still might save it. Right. And that's not going to be true anymore. That's not true for us. I mean, you know, every time somebody has broken through on us against Guzan, they scored. Right. So, Dave, what is what is your prediction for this Wednesday night against C- C- uh, Cincinnati? Cincinnati, Cincinnati at home, uh, good momentum. It was one of the better crowds. We had the full seventy-two available. I don't know. What do you think? How many people were in the stadium the other night against Nashville? Fifty-five. Yeah, I think that's a good guess. About fifty-five thousand. Uh, and it was a good crowd, though. Obviously, with a 4-0 scoreline, the energy got going. Some outcast playing, <laughs> uh, some some throwback. Bad uniform, but it looked good on the players. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't like good. That. Good from a <laughs> uniform. It was either. good from afar. Not yeah. not good. From, I mean, the whole idea close. of having a graffiti uniform is awesome, but yeah. they didn't do execute. The execution it at all. was terrible. But yeah. that's what I was saying. It looked good. It good looked good from above because it was just kind of a black jersey. I was surprised the number of people in the supporters that had the jersey. I was like, that suggested to me there's a lot of people who are still super locked in because that jersey just came out. Yeah, we landed on it because it's so bad. It's so bad that I might have to get one. I mean, it's <laughs> it might be the worst jersey of all time, and I feel like it's a missed opportunity for all of us to invest okay. in this thing. All right, because it, it really could go down as maybe one of the worst. Okay, uh, in terms of just design, I, I, look, I'm an Outcast fan. Like you're missing me. I don't know, and so and you're like, oh, Whitey, shut your mouth. Come on, I I loved Outcast. I mean, sure, come on, sure, sure. Who didn't? Um, hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. Um, uh, my prediction for Cincinnati, God, I'd love to just wholeheartedly buy in and be like, win. But, um, I just think that we're still, I don't think that we have solved the defensive problems, right? And we are, you know, yes, we've gotten two shutouts against two really good teams. Um, I think that was a bit of a fluke. Both of those teams look like expected goals-wise they should have scored. So um, I think Cincinnati takes advantage of those opportunities, and I think we give up one or two goals. You're going back to the algorithm, aren't you? Now, that being said, no, I I think we're better than the algorithm now. I mean, I do think it's been an upgrade. I I don't think you can look at the last two games and say that um, we're the algorithm. To, To me, actually, to be honest... It looks like the defense is basically the same. The difference is our offense, who is already the second best in all of MLS, looks even better. And this is what I've said from the beginning. If you can turn the ball over and you can have a little movement and you get the spacing right, not only should we be better defensively, but we should actually even score more. People were like, oh, Pineda is so great. And um, we scored all those goals. We have relied a ton 
on Gigi and Almada and free kicks. These are not open thing goals. We have not looked like the, the top scoring team in the league, even though we've been. We've been getting away with real free kicks and, and set pieces, which is awesome. If you can do that, that can really bail you out. But if you can do that and you play well on the field, now suddenly you can start scoring the three goals a game. Yeah. And that looks to me like where we're at. So I think that um, against the bad teams, we look like a team that can score three goals on anybody. But, but a Cincinnati's better, and I would say we give up two goals, and so I have a hard time feeling we're going to score two, so I'm going to go with 2-2 two, two tie. I'm going to go uh, either a 2-1 win or a 3-1 win to, by Atlanta. Okay. And it kind of depends it, on who scores first. But anyway, Just stole the words out of my mouth. Um <laughs> If Atlanta scores first, that's tough. Because, I, I mean, yeah. I feel like our fans are going to be back on Wednesday night. Yep. If we score first, the energy in that place is yep. going to get going. And then, Momentum. It, as always, it's whoever gets the next goal. If we get the two goals, it's, it, I mean, it really could be a runaway or it could be like two to one, three to one. Um, I, the question I, I is, what, it that way. what happens the next time we give up the first goal? Because I don't yeah. think confidence-wise we're... Now, I, I, say, I was going to say, I don't think confidence-wise that we're over the hump. That being said, we have enough new players who haven't been around for all this crap that they might just be like, screw it, I think we're the best team. That's, I, again, stole the words I'm out. I mean, think about even even Miles has kind of been out for, like, he hasn't been here this season, I feel yeah. like. You got Abram, who's got something to prove. He finally looks he's like finally he's getting getting comfortable. He's finally getting some minutes. Uh, Lennon's always going to be Lennon. And Wiley is a young kid who's got tons of proof. So, like, our back line is going to be fighting. Yep. Um, yeah, the, the question mark, again, is who's that too? And, and Sosa behind four of what we'd say are our best players at this we point. We look to me like a team that's going to have a pretty good run in because we're going to be scoring two and three goals a game. And I, but I still think that we're a bad coach away from getting sucker punched a goal in the playoffs and being out because we have, we are still going to give up the soft goals. I don't think that I have seen anything to indicate that the soft goals are gone. Okay. But the last two games we have not seen, you know, I, I would say like the Moyamba pass, that's an individual mistake. And you say that's because Pinade is not playing like a Sosa to be in that position and not Moyamba to not make a bonehead. Well, I think there you... But that's the, like a total individual mistake. The insistence mistake. on Pineda and playing out of the back, even against a completely that set was, national team. But that team. wasn't a play out of the back situation. That was just him him having a boneheaded moment. Come no, on. it was a goal kick. We passed it to him out of the back on a goal kick. We insisted they were all up, ready, to, and we tried to play it out of the back anyway. We passed it to him. It was it was Guzan to Muyamba, Muyamba giveaway. There was no pressure on Muyamba. No, no, no. There was no he pressure just, on him. He just but, didn't look over his shoulder. But the question is, why do, you, individual mistake. why do you insist on having to play out of the back? You know, one of the things you saw about Nashville, for example, against us, they wanted to play out of the back too, but a couple of times, you know, the goal kicks, we had everybody up in time or whatever, and they just kicked it. See, I didn't mind that Muyamba. Like, the Muyamba situation wasn't a classic case of, like, the team, like, the structure there was just fine to play out of the back. He just literally didn't. Turn around. Oh, yeah. And there was no the problem situation. with there, but it, what what drives me nuts still about playing it out of the back is Brad, Brad Guzan. Oh, yeah. Brad Guzan, like when he jammed one into Huzetu's feet at one point at the top of the 18 with like yeah. three people around him, yeah. that's that's the goal yeah. that like we don't need to give up. I will forgive a Moyamba for making a bow handed play. And the thing about it is, poor 
Brad Guzan has always been quite good with his feet. He's left-footed, and yeah. he's but he's good with his right foot too. And he's really, really good out of the back. It's just the age. He no longer he gets. It's a little creaky, a little slower on the change. Yeah. He gets a little off balance. You know, it's not good. Yeah, that I mean, but that's what that's when it bothers me playing out of the back, or like when you're stuck in the corner, right, and you try to get too cutesy with it. Mm-hmm. Instead of just clearing it up the field, like it creates some oxygen when you know you're an MLS team and that those three people back there aren't going to be able to get it done. Yeah. So somebody needs to just boot it up the field. I agree. I, I, I think that times when somebody gets a really set defense and we just and we did this in this last Nashville game. Um, and there was one time we literally started against the defensive press and we got all the way up the field and scored. So, you know, you say, okay, yeah. whatever. But I still think that, you know, not every time, but every once in a while, you just put the ball down and put your boot through it and just send it up the field and hit reset. Yeah. You don't have to play against a set press team all yeah. the time. Well, you know, the, the other reason for that too is uh, this guy that we have up front called – George Shakamaki. Yeah. How about his hold-up play? Oh, my God. He is – you know, there was a ball played into him. Uh, I can't remember who made the ball, but he was right at midfield, and he had the defender on his back. And the defender was like, I'm going to run around you because it was a slow ball played up to him from about 20 yards away, right? And he's like, I dare you. Yeah. Right? He, he's like, I dare you to try to run around me. He held him off with his back, right? Because he's like, if you try to run around me, I'm going to – Put my body in, keep you over there, and I'm going to be able to turn and go right off to goal. He and so the guy tried to go right, and he stepped with him. He tried to go left, stepped with him, and he just held him there yeah. as the ball trickled to him. Yeah. And you're like, dude, that guy, <laughs> that is a boss move, right? That's a guy that's hold up play right there. And he actually, the other thing about Gigi is he can find a pass out of that spot. The yeah. number of times he's made great yeah, decisions. a little layoff back to Almada. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, he he, la- or he does a little outside of the field. He's I mean, a classy player. Yeah. And what's funny is he can be so strong like that, but, man, you kick him in the shin, he'll go down like he got killed. <laughs> yes. You're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Even dur- during warm-ups, he went down. Like somebody somebody actually kicked him pretty good. Yeah. But, yeah, he acted like he he uh, got shot. I don't know. It's kind of funny. Um, all right, Dave, what are we talking about next year? I don't know. That's, I don't know. That's, that's the – I think we got to uh, – what, what we really wanted to talk about, which is we're at a crossroads for sure. Yeah. So we have, what, eight games left. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously we made the prediction. I, I, so I haven't really said, but uh, I am not ready to change my prediction. You don't think we're going to make the playoffs? No, I predicted we would make oh, the you playoffs. You said eight or nine. What'd you I say? said that we would barely get into the okay, playoffs. Okay. So you limp in at eight or nine, is what you're saying. I originally said eight or nine. I'm willing to concede you seven. Okay. You know, maybe we avoid the playing game, but I don't think that we're moving up the table. So I've moved mine up another two as well. So I said I'm saying like four or five now. Yeah. So you started above me and you went higher. I went six or seven. Yeah. And now I'm going on to five or four. Optimism. Yeah. I mean. That's not like you, Mikey Dabbs. <laughs> the, the, the only reason... I'm usually the optimistic well, one. But. I'm optimistic because these players seem to be optimistic. The yeah. Sabas, the Silvas, yeah. the Moyambas, they don't seem to care about the past. Well, if you score two, three goals a game, yeah. you're going to win games, yeah. right? Um, and we do look legitimately good for two or three goals. 
I mean, the the take that uh, Yakamaki's had where he chipped the goalkeeper and it he got palmed and it hit the far post. I mean, ridiculous. The Silva goal where um, I mean that was mainly Almada's. Oh my god! If him. you guys, if you haven't seen it, so the little. Oh, you're talking about that, but the, the little interchange between Saba and well, and Almada that, for that the last too. goal, where where Almada is running in the box to get the give and go, and he flicks it over the defender's foot. I mean, yeah. So there was the fir- the first goal though, Dave was yeah. Al- Almada lofted like this beautiful little light cross. Yep. Over to like to the backside of the 18 where Silva was one touch, kind of just waiting <laughs> on it, and he slowed it and let it kind of go to his back foot on yep. purpose. Just so he could get down on it and yep. just plays it beautifully to the far post. In off the post. In off the post. In off the far post. Uh, what was the second goal? The second goal was uh, was that the uh, Miles Robinson scored a header. Header. Right? Off a corner Yeah, kick. off a corner. Then we had. The last uh, goal was the back heel. The and back the heel. other goal was. Um, yeah, why am I blanking on this one? Um because it wasn't, it was, it was another Almada. It was an Almada goal. I Almada believe. scored, yeah. Almada, Almada scored. So I don't recall which one that was now, but it was a nice goal. But I'm, I feel like it's always Almada to Gigi, but Gigi didn't score, right? I feel like, oh, it was the overlap. Yeah, it was the overlap. Uh, Almada was on the left side and, uh, and, and scores from the left, I believe. A little overlap run. Anyway. Anyway. Awesome. But yeah, I, just Al- Almada was everywhere. He's he was kind of the quiet hero in the both the games. Uh, nothing like jumps out at you other than the fact that if you're watching the game, you're like, oh my god, that was such. Well, a Almada pass. had what two assists and a goal or three. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was just yeah, he's everywhere. His his assist now is up to like something like fifteen. Mm-hmm. He's running away with the assist lead in the whole MLS. Yeah. Um, he he just looked. He commands the team. Well, you know. He occasionally is prone to a mistake in our back where he never should be anyway. Right. Um, but when he has players running around him and he's in space, which he's which he was in that game the whole game, yeah. he makes fabulous decisions, fabulously weighted balls. Like, um, yeah. yeah. All right, Dave. We haven't looked that good offensively since the Tata Martino, Almiron, Joseph Martinez. Uh, Tito Alba running in space, you know, being fed by the Gressel, that, yeah. that, that moment. We haven't had a bet in a while. Okay. So let's, let's have a good one for the Cincinnati game. Okay. We, we talked about our predictions, but yep. what, what's it going to be for uh, next bottle of wine here on the podcast? So you, are you saying win or draw? I say draw, but I don't think yeah. the bet should necessarily be about that. But I guess if you would say that the big games we have coming up, the two Cincinnati home and away, Philadelphia, Columbus, which honestly, if we're going to move up the table, if we win those games, we move up the table because they're all ahead of us. I, I like the straight up bet. You're saying draw on Cincinnati. On, that's Wednesday night. This is close. So <laughs> I'm going to say win. But what do you say about those four matches? You really confident that we we put turned the corner and we can get, you know, Let's say, I mean, I'm I'm not saying you're going to predict four wins, but if, if we you get Cincinnati- a couple of wins and avoid a loss, if we beat Cincinnati, I think we have the real deal. What, like, let's say if we beat Cincinnati, you still expect us to go on the road and beat them also, or no? When we play them away, yeah, that's off. So I would say because if we can beat them at home, I feel like it's the same. The, uh, our problems are our problems um, in terms of. 
what we've had in the past. I feel like if we even solve it at home, like the, the energy of this team is going to start to kick in at the right time of the season. If we lose on Wednesday, I'm going to be like, man, we're kind of right back to square one. I think Cincinnati, Philadelphia, and Columbus, who are all excellent attacking players, attacking teams, way better offensively than Nashville or Seattle, right? I think they score goals on us, and and it kills the momentum. So I'm going to predict that we don't finish above 500 in those four games, that we don't move up on those. We might hold even, right? You know, basically, you know, we go two and two or – you know, one win, one loss, and two ties kind of thing. For oh, hold which, serve. Which stretch is this? You're saying it's the four big games remaining. The two Cincinnati's. The uh, I think we play New England too. Um, maybe we should pull up the schedule. But um, I don't think we beat New England. I'll just put that <laughs> out there. Why New England as opposed to Philadelphia? Or I don't think that P- the Pineda can beat Bruce Arena. I just think he's. But with the goalkeeper gone. I mean, jeez. All right, so I'm gonna here. We're gonna go. Let's let's stop messing around. Ready? Yeah. Okay. So we have Cincinnati. We have Dallas. Right. So Dallas is on the road. Then we have Miami at home. That's with Messi. Yeah. It's a tough game. DC United, Montreal. DC United is not great. Uh, Montreal. That's at home. Philadelphia on the road. Um, then Columbus at home, and we finish with Cincinnati on the road. Those are all really tough games with the exception of D.C. United, although that's on the road. I mean, Dallas is a good team. Cincinnati is a good team. Inter-Miami, you would say, is not a good team, but, man, look at their, <laughs> look at them under Messi, right? That's yeah. a good team, right? Um, so you're looking at that schedule – and you're thinking we're going to go on a run against that? It's tough. New England's tough. Cincinnati's tough. Uh, even Houston. Or was it Dallas? Dallas. Dallas. Uh, yeah, Houston's a better team than Dallas. Dallas isn't so great, right? So we should be able to beat Dallas on the road, right? Uh, no, I think Dallas is decent, right? I mean, they've been this playing is- much better, okay. right? So Dallas is eight. Houston is five. Yeah. Um, they're about the same. They're both playoff teams, yeah, right. But I mean, the only team that we're not playing play who's not a playoff team at the moment. The only team that's out of playoff. Well, DC United is one out of it, but is Miami. But would you call Miami a weak team anymore? I mean, no way, right? So uh, we don't have to play New England, so that's good. We don't have to play Orlando; they're pretty good. But I think to me, um, over the last month or so, the best team in the MLS has probably been Columbus. Right, that coach is so good, and he finally has them playing well, and they can really, really score, um, because they have uh, fifty goals for, which is uh, really impressive, um, and it's actually more than us; it's forty-eight. Yeah. Um, but not only that, they were struggling a little bit to score early, and they've just been scoring in bunches. So that's a good team, Dave. Let's maybe scratch. I don't know. We, we could scratch the the Cincinnati yeah. game uh, bet this Wednesday yeah. and replace it with a bet of who goes further in MLS Cup playoffs, Atlanta or Miami. 
at this point. And that's like saying Miami even has to make the playoffs at this yeah, point. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think Miami makes the playoffs. Okay, but that's my point. So this is our bet. Who is making it further in MLS Cup playoffs, Miami or Atlanta? Well, we are because they're not making the playoffs. Yeah, so that's your final bet? Well, I don't think that's the, I'll take that bet, but we should also make a bet about Cuz you know me, I like taking the This is why I bring shit up like this because <laughs> I like taking the fringe bet that makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. This is classic Mike. So, I'm going to I mean, Miami literally know, has to go undefeated. They can afford like maybe like one, you know, maybe tie or whatever to make the playoffs, and to me, the problem I have with that, I mean, as good as they might get close, but Messi's going to tire and Tata's a really good coach. But that is a tough ass just because, I mean, you got old players in Busquets and Messi and whatever um, and Jordi Alba, and they're amazing. But to ask them to play the next 12 consecutive yeah. games all the time. Uh, I know. I agree with you in my heart. I'm just trying to make a stupid bet like I always do. So I'm <laughs> trying, right, to, so I'm trying to give you an well, opportunity well, I, I want here. The, I, I'm trying to get you to commit. You won't on the, on the four games. The critical okay. four games that we have, right? Maybe you'd make it five because Miami is also a really good team. Do you really think that we can go over 500 in those five games? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and just take it. You know okay. what I mean? I'll take the bet. Let's go the four games. Right. We go over 500. And I say we, under. And the, the crux of that will be. I say 500 or under. And the, cru the crux of that is can we beat Miami at home during that yeah. September 16th game? Is that yeah. what it is? September 16th? Yeah. Our, our tickets. Now that Messi announced that he can play on our turf. Tickets sold? No. Well, that's what I. Sorry. Let me just say <laughs> Messi never said he would never play on turf. And this is why I was like, this is all media driven. Freaking Messi never said he was never going to play on turf. It's just media trying to get heavy. Exactly. It makes no sense. This is the guy who <laughs> came to MLS to promote MLS, to invest in MLS. Apple TV subscription. It's funny, I think for him to come to Atlanta United, seventy-two thousand fans, an Argentinian Atlanta United team. Like, why wouldn't he freaking play? It's insane. Like the guy trains on turf, and yeah, he finally gets interviewed, and someone's like, he's like, yeah, I play on turf all the time. I trained on it in Miami last week. I don't know why these people say this. Ridiculous. Now, do I need a rest every once in a while? Probably. Yeah, the interesting thing is clearly the lawyers got involved and they put in that thing like, oh, he can't pay on turf. And nobody really asked him about it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. finally, when they asked him, he's like, I played on turf. We trained on turf at Barcelona all growing up. He's like, I've always done that. So yeah. it's no big deal. <laughs> right. that's, that's and his lawyers are like, no, you got to get her. I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right. So. so there we go. We got our bet. The next four games. We got two bets. We got two bets. What are the two bets? The next four games, or the five games we talk about, it. Cincinnati twice, Philadelphia, Columbus, um, and Inter-Miami. Okay, so the next five games. Yeah, it's good to say five because when you're taking 500, it's good to have an uneven number. Okay, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. over 500, you win. 500 or less, I win. Okay. And then who's going farther in the playoffs, Miami or Atlanta United? Uh, it can only be one or the other. I. I'm not. I'm not going to take both those dumb. Oh, bets. you're not going to take yeah. both dumb bets. All right. I'll take one dumb bet. <laughs> All right. Well. Yeah. And you're just on record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Miami's going farther. Yeah, I'm, I am just on record. Miami, like, gosh. But uh, honestly, I think they put all their eggs into winning the Lamar 
Cup. Two trophies from Miami from coming. They got from, one more game to win the Lamar yeah, Cup. Yeah, they just got the final. Yeah, and they so he has to play huge. that game. He has to play, you know, 90 minutes to yeah, win that game. It, it's written. I mean, they're winning that game. Yeah, right? he's going to have if you're a Miami fan, take two trophies in the Can first I put a month. Bet <laughs> in Vegas on this? Like, I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, I think so, yeah. Come on. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think Messi, Atlanta United, the joy is back in football. Danny Rojas. Rojas, Rojas. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to another ATL on Fire podcast. And if you see Carmen, you're clearly at the beach in some awesome place. Take care. Good night. Thanks, everybody.